0: It is wonderful to see you today. I have never looked forward to 31 degree temperatures the way I am looking forward to them. Uh, although I, I do remember, I th- was it three years ago, Madison, that you guys moved to Marquette and in, it was January? F- f- no, five years. My goodness. I remember that week that you moved Claudia and the kids here. It was thirty below for a month. I mean, it was it was horrendous. Uh, but I'm telling you, I I just feel blessed to be here today. We're starting a new sermon series. I'm looking forward to it. It's called More. Last Sunday, uh, and if you missed it, I just I want to encourage you. Um, we uh, the title of my message was The Best Year Ever, and if you missed it, I want to uh, just put a little commercial here for our messages online. Go online at silvercreekchurch.org and listen to that message. You can do that whenever you happen to be gone. But that message, I believe, was a, a message that will really prepare you for the good things that God has in store for you this coming year. And I, I just want to, uh, I want to encourage you. I shared about how we we can change how we see things. We need to believe that anything is possible with God. And here's a big one: we need to get out of. Our comfort zones. And I believe that God has great things for us. Uh, I want to kind of continue in this idea of the best year ever in our lives. But in order for that to happen, I think there are some specific things that need to take place in our lives and so today I'd really like to look at those and like to talk to you more about for this new year achieving more of God's presence in our lives. Wouldn't that be a great thing if you experienced more of God's presence in in your life in 2018 well in order for that to happen I just want to share three things this morning the first one is this in order to achieve more of and experience more of God's presence in our lives in 2018 I believe one important thing that you and I need to do is to win the battle for time this is a big one in fact this may be one of the most important things We need to win the battle for time. Now, the average lifespan for a person here in the U.S. is just under 79 years of age, and that sounds like a lot, unless you're 78, okay? It doesn't sound like that much. In fact, if you're 65, you're like, you know that that 79ish is kind of young. You know, you're we always do that. Our definition of young is like 15 years further ahead than we are currently. So if you're 25, you're 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 well no, you still think 35 is old. But if you're if you're 35, you're starting to feel like those late 40s, you know, that's still kind of young, you know. And then when you're 50, you're thinking, yeah, you know, those mid-60s, That's not. they're not too bad, you know. And it begins, you know what I'm saying? You guys are looking at me like you don't think I'm telling the truth. I know I am. I know you guys just like to act like you are not like me. And I fully understand why you'd want to do that. But, time. We only have so much time in a day. I want you to think about that. In a day, you have 86,400 seconds in a day. Think about that. That seems like a lot of time. When you multiply that out to a year, you have 31,536,000 seconds in this year, and we just started them, we li- we're we just, we're a week into it is all, that's a lot of seconds throughout the year, now if you live to be 80 years old, okay, Harv, how old are you, where are you, Harv, how old are you, 85, 85, he's a good looking 85, let me tell you that right now. Harv, you're ahead of these stats, okay? But if you live to be 80 years old, you will have lived for 2,522,880,000 seconds. That's a lot of seconds. And during your lifetime, you're going to spend a lot of time doing certain things like sleeping. Do you know that during your lifetime, if you lived to be 80 years old, you would spend, if you are fortunate, 26 and a quarter years asleep. (laughs) That is is what the average comes out to. I mean, when when we're little, we're sleeping a lot, and we're not so much as we get a little older. But I ju- just think about that, working. This one actually seemed a little strange to me, but then when they, they kind of described, you know, how they came up with the statistics, you know, you're, 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 you're working your career and plus vacation and, you know, all, and weekends and all that. But it comes out to working 10 full complete years. That would be like working 24-7, 365. 10 years would be the amount of time that we spend working. How about this one? Television. We can add now, you know, working on your device or or whatever. Uh, Not over nine years of your life spent watching television. I like this one. Eating. Eating. 3.66 years of your life spent at the trough. Okay? (laughs) I love shoveling it in. I'm not kidding you. I love it. Surfing the web. this is a new one and this is if you grow to be 80 but, but you start, you start you know using stuff at, at a young age. okay've the, now we have kids that that's how they're growing up, but they will spend three and a quarter years just surfing the web, looking for stuff. okay That's a lot of time. So regardless of this this life expectancy in America, God already knows. He already knows our days. The psalmist says this, all the days ordained for me are written in your book. I remember when my mom passed away, that was really important to me, that all of my mom's days were ordained. They were written in God's book ahead of time before she had ever lived. Even one of them, God had them all written in his book there's no guarantee for us as to the length of our lives we don't know what's going to happen James says this in chapter 4 verse 14 why do you uh, not uh, why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow what is your life you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes So if we're going to try to win this this battle with time, we need to realize that we don't even know how much time ultimately we will be given on this earth. And therefore, we must begin to use our time wisely. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, the Apostle Paul says this, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. If you grew up reading the King James, you'll remember the phrase that was used there. He says, redeeming the time, making the most of every opportunity. It's referring literally to a merchant who recognizes the value of something and how much use he can get out of it and then making that purchase. That's what the Apostle Paul is talking about. In Barnes' commentary, he says this, to rescue or recover our time from waste. Now, I know none of you waste time. I know that that can't be the case. Only I waste time to improve it for great and important purpose. Eliot says this, making a sacrifice for it. I love that. To redeem the time, to make the most of every opportunity, we have to make a sacrifice for it, then quickness in seizing that time, and then the wisdom using it to the utmost. That's what he means by making the most of every opportunity. You see, we've become... So busy and our time so limited that in order to experience more of God's presence, we need to buy back those opportunities from the time in our lives. But the truth is something is going to have to be sacrificed. We need to act quickly the very moment when we're inspired because the moment quickly passes and we need wisdom in order to know how to use it. It's like that unexpected snow day. You know, now that they have these snow calculators, you know, that you get this app on your phone and it tells you the percentage of chance that there's a snow day tomorrow. And here in the UP, every day starts with 65%. Okay? It just does, you know, 25 below zero, snow day, you know, Uh, too much wind, snow day, you know, four inches of snow, snow day, you know, it's just automatically starts at 65%. And that you have that day and you you get that call in the morning, and and I'm not talking about anyone in my family as I give you this illustration. You get that call at five in the morning and that text that says, hey, there's a snow day and the thought running through your mind is, oh, I'm going to get so much done today right? It's a freebie. This is a totally free day. I'm going to get so much done. I'm going to get up at like 830. I'm going to put on a pot of coffee and I'm going to enjoy that coffee for the first 15 minutes. And then I'm going to go through that thing that I was thinking of going through and and getting done and getting ready and getting organized. And I'm going to get so much done. And then I'm going to have a great dinner tonight for the family. And we're going to do this and do that. And at 9.30, you are rushing, okay? 9.30 at night, you're rushing just to be able to get in bed for the next day. You're thinking, I'm exhausted. I got nothing done. (laughs) Is that real life? That is real. Why? Because that's how we generally tend to live our lives. It's so filled with the busyness of family and responsibility that we have a difficult time making time to be in our Bibles, making time to spend time in prayer, or even to be in the house of God regularly. Martin Luther said this, in the 16th century, he said, If I fail to spend two hours in prayer each morning, the devil gets the victory through the day. And then he goes on and he says this, and this is what really I think applies to you and I. He said, I have so much business, I cannot get on without spending three hours daily in prayer. We'd say, Are you kidding me? There is no way possible. Well, I want you to think about it for a moment, and and I'm not suggesting that you spend three hours a day in prayer, unless God calls you, and then be obedient. But I want you to think about this. Who was Martin Luther? He only changed the face of Christianity in the 16th century. Okay? It's that little thing called the Reformation, where everybody that was in the church was Catholic. and then all of a sudden there was this, this Protestant movement, which all of you here are, basically by being here, you're saying you're really a part of it, okay? He had a little bit of an impact. He was ultimately responsible for the Bible being translated out of Latin. So that Bible that you have, that you read, you can read it because of someone like Martin Luther. He had an incredible impact. But our thought process on our time is exactly 180 degrees different than Martin Luther's. We say, I am so busy, I have so much to do today that I can't. Martin Luther said, I have so much to do today. I am so busy that I must. It's quiet here. You you get what I'm saying though? That's, That's where we are in our culture, in our society today. I remember a just a a wonderful leader in youth ministry uh, that I I followed a lot um, when I was in youth ministry. Her name is Jeannie Mayo. She said this, Discipleship is the fight for time in a person's life. That's powerful. Most of us would argue that we just don't have time. But if we're going to have more of God's presence in our lives... 2018 we've got to win the battle for time number two we've got to get rid of the stuff that slows us down now I've got I've got some things got some props Uh, when I announced to the worship team that I had props Nikki was very excited um and and so I've I've got some props here, and there's there's a couple of different things I, I I wanted to to show you some of it. Some of you 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 got your own, okay? You got your own stuff, okay? Like this, and you've used some of you've used it a lot lately, okay? Um, this is, and I, I wonder if I can get this on with my shoe on because I really don't want to take my shoes off. Um, but uh, there we go. I didn't try this before service. Maybe I should. Should have really done that, but this is these are my coveralls, okay. And um, uh, I've told you guys recently that um, I have really um, I found a new hobby in my life. Um, I I love running, and I'm I'm starting to really enjoy doing obstacle course races. Okay, it's a lot of fun. You guys are looking at me weird. Okay. Hey hey, yeah, I gotta I thought about that beforehand, but I thought I could get it on. Okay, just so you know, I got this these coveralls in the 10th grade <laughs> Go ahead and laugh. I got them in the 10th grade. This is my deer hunting coveralls I put an orange sweatshirt over it. that was my that was it. okay? All right, 10th grade. It's warm in here. See, okay, so now i got to put my, my jacket over the top of that. Okay, all right, anybody know what I'm ready to do? Okay, these are my boots. I got these from Isaac. <laughs> he grew out of them. <laughs> they fit me perfectly. <laughs> These are new, new gloves I got. Literally, I, my fingers were going numb. It was so cold the last two weeks. I told my wife, i got to get a pair of gloves. These are actually called snowblower gloves, okay? All right. Now, okay. I, I uh, when I go and blow snow, I didn't bring my hat in from my, my jacket, but if I were going to, uh, you know, go out in the driveway and blow snow, and, and really, you know, spend time out there. This is how I, I dress, okay? But when I, when I run, particularly in the summertime, which here in Marquette is so wonderful, and I, I love to run on the lakeshore, okay? Um, I wear, these are the shoes that I wear, and I wear a pair of shorts and I wear a t-shirt. And, um, you know, I, I have earbuds in and, and I run. If I wore that in my driveway, okay, and tried to snowblow my driveway, I would be dead. Okay, I'm just being honest, okay? Let, let me ask you. Oh, I am. That's how short my legs are. I'm running behind the snowblower. I can never figure out why all my neighbors come to the window while I'm doing my... So let me ask you this: <laughs> You're really glad you're sitting in the front row, aren't you? <laughs> what if I wore this on a run? I'd be dead. Also, that is correct. But not not just on a run, okay? Uh, Justina, you and I, we uh, we did the the 10K together, um, and and um, that's a that's a lot of fun, right? What do you think? No? You you couldn't do that. No. Jason, we did the tough mudder together. What do you think, buddy? How would this work? That first big mud puddle that you get in, right? Totally soaked. What do you think? I'm telling you. It you can't it, it, it you can't even make a joke and say, "Oh yeah, I'd wear that and run." Go, go ahead and say it, but I know that you don't have the moxie to back it up, okay? Because you you you'd have to be a world class athlete. Travis, should we should we try the Marquette half like this? No, we shouldn't do it. Why shouldn't? Would that be would that be unwise? Okay, I want want to direct your attention to Hebrews now. Work with me, okay? Chapter 12. I know what you're thinking. He's never going to be able to bring this back around. (laughs) This is so good, you're going to love it. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, it literally means martyrs, okay? There are those who have been martyred for the faith that look on, okay? Are you with me? Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. The whole picture of these verses, it's not the finish line, it's the start line. Okay, It's the start line where everybody's excited and everybody's getting ready. And what is everybody doing? They're getting warmed up. And after they're warmed up, as you start to see that the countdown is getting close, they start taking off their their warm-up stuff, okay? It might be chilly that morning, and they get set and they get ready. When it says there that everything that hinders, what it literally means is wait, okay? Wait. When... You get ready to do a run. If you're going to do a run and you want to do some, what do you start doing the month ahead of time? You start checking the scale at home because you want to lose a few pounds beforehand. Why? Because that extra weight, if you can run without it, it's a lot easier. It's a, great, it's a great excuse to start doing that. He said, literally, you, 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 if you're going to run the race, you're going to start dropping weight. And, and then he talks about the sin that entangles. It's literally things that are so cumbersome that you would trip or that they would inhibit you from running the race. So he says, get rid of those things. Why? Because otherwise, when you're preaching, you'll sweat to death. Get rid of those things. You, you think I'm, I'm joking. Do you know that runners weigh their shoes when they get to a certain level? And they won't buy them if they're, if they're too heavy. Why? Because they, they want as little weighing them down as possible. And so if we're going to experience more of God's presence this year, We've got to begin to get rid of the things that are weighing us down. We've got to, to decide that we're going to make a sacrifice, that we're going to look at those things, and we're going to say, you know what, is this something that I really need in my life? And the picture of the word sin, that he, when he uses the word sin, it's not the big obvious stuff, Okay? That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the little things. The little priorities. The little character issues in our life. That when we begin to look at those things, that ultimately, if we're going to be effective at running the race, if we're going to be effective at having more of God's presence in our lives, we want to look at those things and we want to say, I'm going to make a sacrifice and get rid of those things. Number three, turn to the Lord. Now this one might surprise you a little bit. You say, well, pastor, I'm, I'm a Christian. I follow the Lord. But if we're going to have more of his presence, we need to win the battle for time. We need to get rid of the stuff that slows us down. And now I would say congratulations, but you've officially begun to make room in your life. And thirdly, we need to turn to the Lord. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 3. Daniel was an incredible prophet. He was the one in the lion's den. You remember Daniel? And Daniel was, this was after that time in his his life, and Uh, And we're going to read Daniel 9.13. It says, Just as it was written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought... Oh, excuse me. I want to back up to 3, not 13. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with Him in prayer and petition and fasting and sackcloth and ashes... Daniel was reading in the prophet Jeremiah and he realized that what his people were facing, the judgment and wrath of God, was going to last 70 years. And he wanted to intercede for his people. His response was to literally turn to the Lord. In prayer and petition and fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Fasting is going without food for a determined period of time for the purpose of seeking God. Sackcloth was a, a black cloth made from goat's hair that was worn um, as a symbol of, 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 of great sorrow and, and um, repentance and they would literally take ash from the fireplace and they would sprinkle it on top of their heads and those that would see them were know, would know that they were in a time of, of mourning and repentance and seeking God. It says in verse 4, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. Here's the prophet of God confessing. He's confessing his sin. He's confessing the sin of his people as well. He's turning to the Lord. And then finally, He seeks God's favor in verse 13. He says, Just as it was written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sin and giving attention to your truth. Daniel realized that no one was seeking God's favor for the country. He specifically mentions two steps. Number one, turning from sin. And second, giving attention to the truth. Turning away from sin and turning toward God is the exact picture of repentance. In John chapter 17, verse 17, Jesus prays this. He says, your word is truth. Paul in 2 Timothy 3.16 says that God's Word is useful for correction. And that's because it is God's Word. It is truth. And that truth convicts you and I. When we begin to spend time in God's Word, when we begin to spend time in His presence, there will be a sense of conviction. But conviction is not condemnation. The Bible says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But the presence of God and the word of God will convict us and draw us to himself to bring things in our lives in line with his word. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul talks about now is the time of God's favor. Daniel also appealed to, to God's mercy rather than to God's righteousness. He talks about it in verse 18. I'll let you read it later. But literally, he was approaching God for God's mercy, not on on God's righteousness or even his own righteousness, but he was coming to God in view of God's mercy, not his own righteousness. I don't know about you, but I've missed the mark. I don't know about you, but I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I've sinned. I've come short of the glory of God. And so when I come to Him, I don't say, God, it's so great to be righteous today. I come to Him and I say, God, forgive me. Because I have sinned. Our righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. So I thank God for His mercy. So here we are on the first Sunday of 2018. Next week, we're getting ready for the week of prayer. It's my prayer for you that you will desire more of God's presence in your life for the entire year. But why put it off? Let's start with it right away. And if we're going to do that, we need to win that battle for time. We've got to take a look at things and say, okay, i got a lot of good things in my life, but too much of a good thing can keep me away from the things that are truly important to me. Next, we've got to, we got to get rid of those things that are going to slow us down. They're not bad things. They're just things that, that just tend to, to weigh us down from what, what's really important. And I don't know about you, but I think most of us tend to collect more things as we go on, right? This fall, I moved my dad from Green Bay down to our hometown of Janesville, and I felt like half of it came home with me, and it was really, I mean, it was, I'm trying to get rid of my stuff, and here now I got my dad's stuff, and 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 so I'm just like, man, this is crazy, and Four months later, he said, yeah, Kev, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move out of my apartment. I'm, I'm going to buy a townhouse. Will you come help me move? And I'm like, this is great. This is wonderful. Thank you for the opportunity to come move you twice in four months, Dad. I know my dad's watching. Right now, it's probably Tuesday in his world. Because that's when it usually goes online. I went down there that second time. This I wasn't as excited as the first time because I'd already done it once and I knew how much stuff there was and I was just I was I wasn't really excited and and we we got it all, you know, we're we're moving it and we had about half the people. You know, it was my brother and I and his son Caleb who's 17 and then his son Gabriel who I think is 11 and I thought, man, how's this gonna go? Maybe maybe Gabriel's 12. How's this gonna go? We were done in no time. Because he'd already gotten rid of all that other stuff. Is that my house? I know. <laughs> it was a breeze. It was a breeze. They had stuff they hadn't even unpacked. It was, it was, it was wonderful. I was like, Oh, this is fantastic. Thank you, Dad. And I had a great time. It was because he got rid of all that stuff. We collect stuff. That's life. That's why people do resolutions to take a look at all the stuff they've been holding on to to see what they want to get rid of. In some cultures, at the stroke of midnight, they throw up the window and anything they don't want, out the window. That's a good tradition. But I got a big front yard and it's all just going to be sitting in my yard. So how about you? 2018. More of His presence. That's my prayer. I want to challenge you this week of prayer. We don't don't do the praying for you. You got to come and find a place Spend that time with God. Nobody can do that for you. But I want to invite you to be a part of that. We've got the worship night on Wednesday. Right in the middle of the week. So we can get together and worship. And and just have a great time in the presence of God. I want to challenge you. Make it a priority in your life. So that this year. Not because of the week of prayer, but because you've looked at your life. You won the battle of time. You started laying aside those things that have slowed you down, and you're turning things toward the Lord. Why? Because you want more of His presence. I want to invite you to stand with me as we close our service. Come on, stand to your feet. Father, I. I pray this morning that there'll be a sense in our hearts of that desire, a desire for more of your presence. Lord, I've I've done some silly things this morning to simply try to bring that point home of some of the things that we need to do. So Father, I pray that That our hearts would be challenged, that we would have a desire for more of your presence in this new year. And I believe, God, it's going to be a great year. Thank you for watching the message today. If you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, or if you have questions about your personal walk with Jesus Christ, we'd love to help answer those questions. We've prepared something specifically for you. It's a five-day devotional called Walk by Faith. We'd love to give you this as our gift to you today. Please contact us using the information provided for you on the screen. May God bless you.